If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. It's been a very, very busy week at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, so we're back for the second podcast this week. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. Ali, how are you? Knackered. I'm knackered. <laughs> there's been so much happening this week. Honestly, sometimes when we do these second podcasts, there's a little kind of moment of panic. Like, oh, oh, have we got enough to kind of talk about? And then we kind of swiftly realize it's Spurs, so there's still enough to do. But this week, my word, this has just been the most ridiculously kind of busy week at Tottenham Hotspur, which didn't even involve a game, you know, in the last however many seven days or so. Um, and you know what? A pretty positive week overall as well for Spurs. And obviously, I'm sure the club will do their very best to ruin that at Old Trafford on the Sunday. But at this point, yeah, very exciting. Yeah, loads for us to talk about. I mean, what is this madness? Tottenham having mm. two new signings in by January the 11th. It's never like this at Spurs in January. It tends to be late, late deals uh, in the transfer. Oscar window. Power, do you think? 100%. And I think it's been clear since the summer that Spurs needed a new centre-back. And then with all the injury issues and international commitments that Tottenham had to strengthen straight away in the transfer window. And you know, full credit to... Daniel Levy, Johan Lang and everyone at the club for getting two players over the line uh, in time for Sunday's Premier League clash against Manchester United. Obviously, the first signing we spoke quite a bit about on Monday uh, and then finally confirmation came on Tuesday. Timo Werner joining from RB Leipzig on the loan deal until the end of the season. Spurs having that 15.5 million purchase option in there come the summer so uh that could be uh, a shrewd addition from the football club and finally last night 7 p.m it was confirmed that radu dragerson is now a tottenham player after making the move from genoa good signing oh yeah of course um yeah. in term just even just in terms of depth you know, you don't even have to look at the potential of the player, just depth as well. And just very quickly, before we kind of kind of cast Timo Werner out into the uh, kind of the sidelines already, I thought his interview was really good. I thought it was a really interesting interview. It showed a player who's just, you could see, he's just hungry to try and prove everyone wrong about kind of what happened last time. Um, and again, as with Dragosin, uh, sorry, it should be Dragosin, apparently, according to uh, Romanian People on social media have told me Dragashin. Some people say it's Dragashin. Some people say it's Dragashin, which means I'm still going to get it wrong with half of people um, and right with the other half. So, yeah, both of them, again, spoke about the Postacoglu chat. I mean, that is just a theme of every discussion. You know, once in a while at Spurs, you'd get someone say, oh, I spoke to the manager, blah, blah, blah. But every player that comes into Spurs right now is saying how the manager sold them everything that they needed to kind of hear. And Timo Werner's was very good about that as well and his tactics and where he'll fit into it. And yeah, just um, I think both of them, again, I don't think it's any kind of coincidence. They both speak really good English. You know, it's just another very helpful settling in thing. Uh, with Timo Werner, he's got Premier League experience. It's not going to be a shock to him when he steps out there, you know, in a Premier League game. Um, and I still have this feeling that I think he'll fit the Spurs system better than he did the Chelsea one, which should benefit him greatly. I mean, we even saw in training already him going through the motions of get down the left, hit the low ball in Richardson, get down the left, hit the ball. He's like drilling it into him. He's just going to be doing that so much. Um, but yeah, on to Dragson. And obviously number 16, Timo Werner, uh, we now know. We were wondering, weren't we, in the last one, what shirt number he was going to end up with. Um, and we have a number six, Taking it up from the the great big Dav, um, the new number six, uh, Radu Dragashin. Um, yeah, he's they did make us wait yesterday. Yesterday was a bit of a 
is it going to be in the morning? Is it going to be in the afternoon? I wonder whether, because it was pretty much tied in, I guess, with the Jed Spence loan in the other direction, uh, they had to wait for all of that to be done as well. And you always get, when those moments happen, purely I think it all kind of spells from that William transfer all those years ago. Um, there's this feeling that if it's not, you know, why the delay? Why has it not happened? You know, has it fallen through? Has someone failed the medical? Um, <clears throat> and then in truth, there's no delay because there's no set time you know, for it to be announced. And we were just talking before we kind of started recording this that there's also the player can be registered hours before he's announced. It's just then they go and do all this social media stuff. And Spurs have got this kind of new fancy media area now in their training ground where they do all of these like video work and everything. You can see now the announcements videos have got this like, oh, this is going to be very nerdy for you. And I apologize already because it's like it's within movies and all of this. There's this thing in the Star Wars world that they kind of use to make their movies and TV called the volume. It's like this big... I don't know if you've ever heard they used to like blue screen and green screen for movies when they're filming CGI and special effects. Well, nowadays, it sounds like I'm being really patronizing. It's just, it is just the thing they use. It's called the volume. Um, and they can film stuff against it and they can put anything on it. And it looks like a whole world behind them. And it kind of feels like Spurs have got their own little version of that now. We kind of see this like lit up tunnel behind the players, all the lights, all the fancy stuff. Um, they put a serious bit of money into that. Um, I'm sure some will now say, couldn't you put that into transfers? But they have. They bought players. Uh, and, uh, yeah, very fancy kind of, um, you know, video and a nice bit of artwork, actually, as well with him. Is his nickname the Dragon? I presume it is because there's been a lot of Dragon stuff. I assume I guess so. It, it makes sense with his surname, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it was all good. Another good interview. And it was just a really manic end to the day because we had Dragashin coming in, uh, Jed Spence, Eric Dyer going out as well, which obviously we're going to talk about him. And, yeah, it's just like you say, madness. What is this witchcraft? We're not used to, at this point in the window, Spurs not only announcing these people, but being then suddenly in quite a comfortable position for the rest of the window. Because, yeah, we know they want a, a number eight would be ideal if they could get another one in. But there's no rush now. They can now do the rest of their business towards the end of the window when prices maybe come down a bit, when there's an opportunity. They don't have to rush into that third transfer. They've got two really important building blocks now for the squad. And, um, yeah, it's uh, very exciting. It is, it is. I mean, we were planning on recording the podcast yesterday afternoon, but we decided <laughs> we against it because we just assumed all these announcements had come at once. And it was, what, half past six for Jed Spence, seven for Dragashin, yes. yeah. about quarter to eight for Eric Dyer. But yeah, yeah. in terms of Dragashin, uh, nice to see Spurs getting a deal over the line for him, especially given all the speculation regarding a potential late move to Bayern Munich after they entered the scene. Obviously, Bayern could offer the player Champions League football in the remainder of the season, a Bundesliga title fight, a more lucrative pay packet. But in the end, uh, Dragashin chose uh, his career, didn't he, basically, over the money, whereas some players would have gone for Bayern. Because, I mean, Bayern are just there. European powerhouse that just so powerful, all, all this might. And yeah, uh, it's nice to see Spurs getting a, a win over Bayern. And I think it also, as you alluded to earlier, it just shows the pulling power of Andrew Postacoglu uh, and the football club at the moment. Uh, I was reading a bit about what Andrew said during his time at Celtic. He was speaking about when Matt O'Reilly made the move to Celtic Park and basically what he speaks with the player about. He says there's nothing about what he'll earn in terms of his wage, nothing about his contract. It is purely about football, the environment they're coming in, and he sells it to the player that way, and he just tries to, you know, get uh, discover that player's character and whether they're the right, you know, player to come into the club. And I think it shows with Dragashin that quite clearly is the right character uh, to come in, as he has obviously spurned the advances of Bayern Munich in order to still move to Spurs. So I think it's uh, a really, really uh, good signing. Spurs' signings from Serie A so far have been 
really, really good. Obviously, Dane Kulaseski, Rodrigo Benson, Guillermo Vicario, Destiny Doggy as well, and hopefully Dragishin can follow in uh, the same footsteps of that quartet. Yeah, not put Pierluigi Gallini though. Probably won't. But he's probably no, the one no, that no. breaks the trend. Although technically, he was alone, wasn't he? He's, yeah, he's, he was. He's... Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown, with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and Beaches went back um yeah you you're spot on character is so important obviously talent's a big thing but character for postacoglu um we were talking about this earlier that i think he identifies a little bit of himself in players and that's what he looks for this batting nature this hunger this desire to prove people wrong whether it be because they've had a little setback in their career, whether it's because they've gone to a dream club right from the start and have had to step down to another club, maybe in a lower league. You know, you've had that with, uh, certainly with Dragashin's had to do that, with Genoa uh, being in, in Serie B and with Werner having his, um, obviously didn't work for him in the Premier League and he had to kind of not quite go back with his tail between his legs, but went back to his old club afterwards as well. And, and there's a string of players over the summer that you can see Vicario playing in like the third, fourth division of Italian football. Um, even Madison, you know, things, injuries and things haven't really gone well for him. And, and uh, obviously Leicester getting relegated as well. He's had to kind of suffer that experience as well. And yeah, he just likes to pick players that that know how to fight and mirroring his career. You know, he's someone that's always had to prove people wrong. Um and I think that's that is going to play a big part in those chats he has with him. I'm sure he very quickly knows whether he's kind of has a bit of a kindred spirit there in front of him. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite interesting the way he kind of selects in these chats and and just the whole way, like you say, the Bayern Munich late interest again, another big pointer towards his character. Because let's be honest, we all thought Bayern Munich coming in at that late stage, you know. They know something. They, they, you don't come in at the last minute un, unless you think, well, the player wants us. Um, and I think it was a case they were always sitting there lurking, ready to pounce. I've seen some people saying, oh, they could have wrapped up the deal even quicker and they wouldn't have come in. And I don't think that's the case. I used the example, I wrote something the other day. I, I think about, it felt like a little bit like the Luis Diaz thing with Liverpool. Is It didn't really matter when it happened. They were sitting there waiting to see what the agreed fee would be so that they could come in. Um, and you know, fair play to the character of the player because his agent, who has been providing us with a, a running commentary <laughs> most days, oh, he's going to go down well at Spurs. I can tell you that. My word, I, I don't think I've. There are some kind of agents out there that like their words in print or in video, but my, I don't think I've ever seen anyone quite um, to this degree. I mean, wow. He's been giving the world a running commentary. I think most of it has come through Romanian media. Yeah. I think that's the way it has, and then it's filtered into Italian press. Or maybe he speaks to Italian press as well. I don't know. But, hey, it's been helpful for us <laughs> because we've been getting all of the kind of stuff. It saves us even having to make inquiries at times. Um, I think with his agent situation, I get the impression that this agent, um, I think his name is Florin Manea, has been with him since his early days in Romania and is very much a kind of a close and, and trusted advisor type. But I actually think he's also represented by the company that represents Guglielmo Vicario, which I think is something like GG11. I can't remember their exact name. I think it's an Italian-based company. So I think there's this element of that kind of group, um, a very well-known kind of organization representing him, but also having this chat from, you know, I mean, he took him across to Juventus when Fabio Paracci kind of brought him over when he was, I think he was 16. So he's obviously known the player and the family for years. Um, but yeah, wow. I, I do wonder what the other kind of people around him was like, oh my goodness, he's talking again. <laughs> Quick, grab him, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he said some good things, like obviously about Bayern offered a lot more money, which Dragosin, um obviously has rejected in order to come to Tottenham and stuck to his word. He'd agreed with Spurs in the first place. 
He's also said some things that have wound up the Spurs fan base before the guy had even put pen to paper, which was, oh, yeah, you know, he'll be playing for Real Madrid or Barcelona soon. It's like, no, you don't say that. You don't say that the moment your client is about to sign for a new team. Maybe it's something that's kind of elsewhere is, is acceptable and fine, but you don't say that when your client's about to sign for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, so, yeah, I'm intrigued to see how... Um, kind of Spurs take to this um, bit of a motor mouth of an agent. Uh, but yeah, back to the original point. Rejecting Bayern, I think it's just a, like you say, you, you kind of summed it up perfect. It's a bit of a win against Bayern for Spurs. Obviously, we had the summer dragged on with the Harry Kane stuff and the confidence that kind of bordered on arrogance at times from Bayern in the media and the quotes that came out. And look, hey, they got their man. So they they were right. But certainly speaking to other kind of fans of German football and reporters over there, I think that is the way that Bayern act in the Bundesliga as well. Uh, and I don't think it goes down particularly well with other German sides. Um, but this time they did not get their way. Um, and, you know, Spurs were not in those early hours of the morning on, what was that, Wednesday. They were working to about 3am on Wednesday, yeah. Johan Lang, Daniel Levy, they weren't, you know, they weren't absolutely 100% sure that it was still going to go through. They were working very hard to make sure it didn't fall through. But ultimately, the player stuck to his word. Um, I guess, I mean, it's a question for you. I think at Spurs, he's probably got a more direct route to starting matches as well. I know, obviously, we've got Romero seems to be back in training Van der Ven, but at Bayern, it's probably fourth choice, I think. Yeah, I think that's about right. Uh, I think, obviously, they got Kim Min Jai. Uh, Uber Meccano and Matthias De Ligt as well. So three mm. really, really good centre-backs there. So, yeah, I think he probably would be looking at fourth in the pecking order. Uh, and Spurs, I don't know uh, where he's going to be. You think it's going to be between him and Christian Romero for that right-sided centre-back role. And it might be one of these when Romero is inevitably missing through suspension at some point later in the season. Or he's out injured that Dragashin comes in and does really, really well. And it's one of these where Ange doesn't want to change things about. So, yeah, it could just be one of these where you get a place in the team, then that could be your place to keep if you perform well. So, yeah, I think there's going to be more opportunities there for him uh, at Spurs. And like I said, just credit to him for turning down Bayern because a lot of clubs wouldn't. And because... Uh, what I want to mention in terms of the agent's quotes, like you said, Daniel Levy and Johan Lang working until 3am in the morning to strike a deal uh, for the player. You know, full credit to them as well, because sometimes, obviously, they're quite easily criticised for deals not getting over the line at times. But I think when Spurs have managed to get two so early in the transfer window, I think you do need to, you know, give them the praise for doing that and doing what's best for the club. Absolute. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's always the way, isn't it? People are very yeah. kind of quick to criticise, but are they going to be quick to praise? And and to be fair, I think across social media, there seems to be a general kind of feeling, okay, fair play. You know, you, you've done exactly what the manager needed and, and you've moved uh, and got these things done. Um, I think, yeah, credit has to go to the new recruitment team, I think, for the planning that's gone into this. There's, of course, an element of Fabio Pratici. I mean, that man is always going to be there kind of in the background in his consultancy capacity um, but I think, yeah, a lot of praise has to also go to the new team, and that's Johan Lang, his chief scout, Rob McKenzie, Frederick Leth, the head of the brilliantly titled Head of Football Insights and Strategy, um, because they came in in, what was it, November, I think, and then they've obviously had a couple of months to really plan out exactly what they wanted, and I don't think shock horror. With a bit of planning, that's why we've seen kind of these moves made quite early, because, yes, Dragashin is a, a Pratici player. He's someone he brought to Juventus when he was 16. He's Since he came to Spurs, he really wanted to bring him in on a few occasions, but it hasn't quite happened. 
But also, Johan Lang uh, and Rob McKenzie went out to scout him when Genoa played Juventus. I think it was the night Spurs played Forest. I think Johan Lang stayed out there and watched another game, maybe against Sassuolo as well. They've properly done their homework. Um, and I wrote a little piece this week about um, the kind of the transfer situation at Spurs and the recruitment team and, and Johan Lang. And he's he's very much kind of the antithesis to someone like a Fabio Paratici type. Fabio Paratici is, you know, he's very well known across the world. He's very comfortable connecting with various clubs, whether it be kind of the the uh, anyone at a club, whether it be from top to bottom. Um, a guy that, you know, we always see him at matches, taking selfies with the fans on his phone, you know, trying to tee up something. Whereas Johan Lang, literally the one word that every single person I've asked about him who's worked with him or knows him has said is is quiet. He's just very quiet, very unassuming, very polite and friendly guy, just cracks on with his work. He's very meticulous. Obviously, it's all data-led what he does. Um, people say that Rob McKenzie is his kind of eyes and ears. He's like the numbers man and Rob McKenzie's out there really kind of giving, uh, backing up the data with also the, the old kind of fashion scouting element as well, although he's also very heavily into data-based stuff and analytics. And then Frederick Leth obviously also brings that side to it. And then working with Postacoglu, because Postacoglu had to pretty much work by himself in the summer, driving the transfers. Obviously, he had Leonardo Gabonini, the, the previous chief scout, and Paratici still there in his capacity. Um, but now you know, Postacoglu can kind of almost sit back. He'll have a, uh, certain players that he likes. Like, we know he liked Timo Werner. Um, obviously, saw him at first-hand score and get an assist against his Celtic team in the Champions League. But now he's got these guys that can go away and say, okay, right, well, we you've told us everything we need to know about your system. We can see how it works. We can see the tactics. We'll see exactly what kind of players you want. Here's all these players that we think fit the mould. And then Postacoglu will work his way through those. He'll know probably most of them. And if the ones he doesn't, he'll further research into them. And then he will give them one top pick. Uh, he, he kind of said himself in the past, I just give them one and they have to go for it. I'd imagine there's got to be an alternative. I think we've seen it this summer, you know, and we know that I really like Dragashin, but also there's been Todibo as well. We know that uh, Nice is, is a a player that is a, a fantastic player for the future and the now as well. So you'd imagine that he probably says, I'd be, if there's certain ones, I'll be happy with either of those if you can get them. Um, and yeah, and and like you said, work until 3am in the morning with, with Daniel Levy as well. I do think, I think everyone kind of gets on the Fabio Pratici bandwagon. I understand it because, you know, the bulk of his transfers have been very good. You know, you could probably only say Gallini, Brian Hill maybe still to prove whether he's Premier League quality or not, or certainly uh, physicality. Ashley Phillips, obviously, is a young one we don't know too much about. Uh, that's if Paratici was involved in that one. I'm not entirely sure whether he would have been. Um, but yes, of course, his his deals have been uh, certainly the, the younger players, you know, the Adoggies and the Sars have, have come on leaps and bounds and they've been terrific kind of transfers. Um, and yeah, we'll see kind of how now the whether the new recruitment team that was the one thing I wondered about him being such a quiet guy was there's quite a few dominant personalities at Spurs. I'd, I'd imagine for now it's probably just delightful to not have all these kind of big personalities clashing behind the scenes like they did with uh, you know, a certain former manager and, and stuff like that. Whereas now I think it's exactly what they need, but also going forward, will he be able to carve his own path? kind of amid all of these dominant personalities we'll see but yeah it's uh it certainly seems to be working so far two players that hopefully will hit the ground running um i just feel i don't know about you i kind of feel a bit kind of gutted in a way for dragashin that after all of this we need him in we need him in we need him in because we've got no one to play mickey van der ven and romero look like they're going to be fit for <laughs> man united yeah uh i think in terms of dragashin and romero it's just He's going to be where Romero is in terms of his fitness because if he's yeah. just one of these ways rushing back now because the new defenders uh, here, you know, if he's near to 100% fitness, then I think Romero starts. But if he's not, then don't risk him because there's next week no game. So that gives him basically like a fortnight until the Man City game. Uh, Dragos is the, the fittest, company. isn't he? He's the fittest yeah. out of all the centre-backs because he's playing regularly right now. Yeah, so 
I think Ange certainly won't be uh, afraid of throwing uh, Dragic in, in at the deep end because he did exactly that with Mickey van der Ven at Brentford. Yeah. Uh, can remember speaking to van der Ven after that Brentford game and he just said, yeah, he maybe didn't have a lot of time on the training pitch, but all the coaching staff, you know, instilled this confidence in him that he had no worries going into the game. And I think that'll be very much the case with uh, Dragashin if he is uh, to make his debut uh, Old Trafford on on Sunday. And just to point out on Dragashin, I was looking at his stats. Didn't actually realise how good he is in the air. Both boxes, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. really impressive. I think looking at the numbers from Serie A so far this season, his second for clearances completed on eighty seven. Third for aerial duels on 59 and third for headed, headed clearances on 45. And then at the other end of the pitch, shots from headers. He's ninth because he has registered 12 and scored a couple of goals already this season for Genoa. One of those with his head against Inter Milan. And then he also got four headed goals last season in Serie B. Uh, three of those were in the space of four games as well. So, I mean, he's really this like attacking weapon in the box that Spurs can utilise. I mean, you've got players of the quality of James Madison, Pedro Porro standing over the ball who, you know, can put the ball on the plate for the teammates. Then I think it's something Dragasin will be uh, licking his lips at the prospects about because he can certainly add a few more goals to his tally uh, for this season. So, yeah, really, really exciting to see him uh, come into the club. And I think all eyes are just going to be on the team news now at Old Trafford when that breaks at 3.30 on Sunday. Yeah, there's still the work permit element, of course. Um, that at, at the point that we're recording this, is they're still kind of waiting for the work permit to come through. <sighs> Obviously, you'd hope it gets through, um, bearing in mind when they probably would have kind of started the process. But obviously, it's a bit of a waiting game. Um, or it's exactly a waiting game. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It is a waiting game uh, to see whether he's available to be to be used on Sunday. But you'd hope they did it in time. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of really interesting about the the headed nature, the, the da- how danger he, a danger he will be in the attacking box. Because, you know, Romero's got a few goals this season. Van der Ven scored, obviously, uh, was it Fulham, wasn't it? Was it Fulham? Um, no. Van der Ven? Yeah, when did he score? Um, he scored the known goal at Fulham, didn't he? Yeah, no, that's not what I mean. Um, uh, was it Luton? Yes, Luton, Luton. away. That yeah, was that, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously, Spurs have defenders who know how to score goals. Um, and yeah, he's going to add another presence. And obviously, you, losing Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer was also quite a big presence yeah. in headed goals as well. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, and, and I kind of... I did... We have to do as we always have to do, winners and losers um, of certain scenarios um, in our work. So we did, I did a piece on the winners and losers of the Werner and Dragerson deals. And and I suggested, and look, I should stress, when we do a winners and losers thing, we're not really calling them losers. We're not like really kind of slaving, but we're just saying, you know, there may be potentially a negative for them as well in these things. And one of the people that I put in the losers, it even sounds rubbish saying it, column, was Christian Romero. Um, and there was a few people on social media took great umbrage at the fact that I was suggesting that there was any chance that Romero could lose his place. But it wasn't so much that because, I, you know, Romero's a vice captain. He's a brilliant defender. Um, and, you know, when he's kind of fully on his game and, and fit and flowing and, and everything, he's one of the best centre-backs out there. I mean, the man's a World Cup winner. He's, he's fantastic. But all I was trying to make the point of is that if he does pick up any more suspensions or he does have any kind of injuries, you know, this is a guy that's had a fair few injuries at Spurs as well. He now knows that there's a player that can come in in Radu Dragashin that if he has a run of games and plays very well, he could make it difficult for him to get back in. Um, I mean, you could argue that for same goes to Van der Ven because Postacoglu, he only told me a couple of weeks ago, he doesn't really see players as left-sided, right-sided. He feels that players can be adaptable enough to play either side. So, yeah, it could be Van der Ven as well. But I just feel like for the first time in a long time, um, maybe since, and I know people kind of might scoff at it at the mo- uh, nowadays, but at the time, Davinson Sanchez coming in. You know, you had the Alderweireld and Vertonghen partnership that everyone was like, oh, that's never going to be broken up. But actually, there was a period when Big Dav kept Alderweireld out of the team when he came back from his hamstring injury. And that's kind of what I'm saying is that now you've got such a strong third defender who will be 
getting game time wherever they can give it to him. He will be, anytime there's a game every three days, they'll be looking to him to maybe start the second game. Um, he's going to be a guy they don't want to make unhappy. They're going to want to kind of give him his amount of game time. And like you said, you know, with Romero suspensions, potential injuries, and who knows, Van der Ven. I mean, fingers crossed, touch wood, however superstitious you are, hopefully he now doesn't have another hamstring injury because he's had two in the last year or so. But you now know you've got this quality to come in um, in Radu Dragosian. So I think it's just a natural, it's a good thing. I wasn't saying like, oh, you know, Romero's in trouble. What I was saying more is that the competition now will drive everyone. It should mean you get even better performances from Romero and Van der Ven because they've got this guy kind of champing at the bit right behind them and who Postacoglu clearly is going to have a bit of connection with because he's brought him in. That, yeah, will we'll make everyone's performances that little bit better. And that's what they need across the whole team. And that's what Werner will bring up front. And I think that's why they also want another number eight to have that as well. I mean, I was looking at the options in midfield. My goodness, when they're all fit, even just now, I genuinely look at that midfield three and you're a bit like, wait a minute, you can't fit Madison, Bentoncourt, Basuma and Saar all in the same midfield. How does that work kind of thing? You know, it's, it, it's well, it's great, to be honest. We've been so long at Spurs, especially now this season with the injuries of just having to only, it's like we know the team most weeks because he can't put anyone else in because they're all knackered or injured or suspended. Whereas there's going to be a point in the next few weeks where we're all going to be arguing over what that starting eleven should be. And that's how it should be. Yeah, I think the signing of Dragashins just kind of bring out the best in the mm. defenders at the club. It, it can only be a positive. So, obviously, with Spurs signing the centre-back from Genoa, Jed Spence has gone in the opposite direction uh, on loan until the end of the season. I mean, it's only... Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. eight days ago since uh, Jed had returned from his loan spell at Leeds and quick move for him. Uh, I think it's a good move. Genoa doing okay in Serie A so far this season after the return, uh, after winning promotion from Serie B last season. I think the mid-table probably going to have eyes on trying to finish in the bottom half. I think the seven points you know, uh, above the relegation zone. So I think they're in a comfortable position and, it's just one of these loan spells now where Jed needs to find his form, get regular minutes under the belt. See, it didn't work out for him at Leeds, didn't really work out for him at Wren, nor at Spurs last season. And uh, it's what, two years ago now since that really, really good uh, season-long loan at Nottingham Forest. And you need to get back to those levels if you want to be playing, you know, at the highest level. And I think he's going to have that opportunity at Genoa, and I think everyone at Spurs will just be hoping he grasps that opportunity uh, with both hands. Yeah, I mean, he it, it doesn't seem like he has a future at Spurs at this current time. Obviously, you never know whether a manager changes and things like that, but at this current time, you know, he came back from Leeds, was sent to train with the under-21s. He wasn't part of the first-team squad in, in that, that aspect. Um, I think it took a little bit of convincing to get him to going to, to go to Genoa, um, but obviously that's now all agreed. And like you, I think it'll be a great move for him. Um, they play the the back five. They've got the wing backs. It works for him. Um, it's you know it's just five months or so for him to to get his game back on track and to yeah just rediscover kind of the the basic elements of what make him such a talented young player um and obviously you know we, we know kind of there's been suggestions from certainly daniel fark and other managers that he's had over the years about the the other side of his game and, and the kind of the application side of things and this is you know he needs to go there and kind of prove his point you know it's I don't know. Sometimes these young players, and we've seen it in the past, maybe they'll go somewhere and feel like they're they're better than the level they've gone to. Um, and I think Genoa are a very good team. You know, they are. They're mid-table. It really kind of kept the momentum going from last season's promotion. Um, 
And it's interesting, Christian Stellini has been talking in Italy about both Dragashin and Jed Spence. He was very complimentary about Jed Spence. Um, but he also said about like, the Genovese people that how very welcoming they are. And, and they're the kind of club he thinks that will really welcome Spence in and he'll feel, feel very kind of at home um, there. And uh, yeah, I hope it's a really positive one for him. Spurs inserted uh, an option to buy for Genoa. Um, I think it was around, I think it was 10 million euros, which is about eight point something. I'm not even sure what that would be. Um, but I thought it's quite interesting that Spurs asked for that more so than Genoa. Um, and, you know, whether they kind of pay that sort of price for him, who knows? Who knows? It could be a terrific six months for him. But at the worst, you know, maybe he just puts himself back on the radar because there was no other interest in him. That was the issue. That that was it, really. And the fact that Spurs paying all the wages as well on his transfer kind of says a lot too. Um, it's pretty much just like, let's get him there. Let's get him playing some matches. Um, and yeah, just hope for the best for him. Um, and to just, yeah, just get himself back on track. That's the main thing, really. Yep, right. Uh, I think we're more than halfway through today's pod. Ali, do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN? Of course. The Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast, as I'm sure you're aware, is sponsored by NordVPN. And you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world, and that means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. Something I've done over many, many years to watch all the programs and movies I like, wherever I happen to be in the world, uh, setting my device to thinking it's back home, um, or likewise switching it to thinking it's in various countries so you can watch things. Um, and not only that, but the outlay on a NordVPN of subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. That's because you could purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. So, for example, you could book a flight from another country and it could be cheaper doing it that way around. So that means you're paying out for Nord, but you're saving money overall. And there's a whole security element to it as well. It's just that little bit safer when you're using public Wi-Fi to stop people getting onto your device and taking things off of it. Um, and there's a whole other host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Right, another transfer deal took place uh, yesterday evening. That was Eric Dyer. Uh, leaving Tottenham after nine and a half years to seal and move to Bayern Munich. He's joined the German side on loan uh, with an option to make that move permanent. And I think it's uh, a really, really good move uh, for the player because it's just not quite happened for him at Spurs this season. He's quite clearly not in Ange Postacoglu's thinking going forward. And I think he was, what? Four appearances uh, for Spurs. I think three of those mainly off the bench. Uh, start at Wolves and he just needed a fresh change. And I think the question going into the January transfer window was what exactly is going to happen with Eric Day? Because given his contract status, he was uh, out of contract at Spurs at the end of the season. You're thinking for him personally, it's probably better to hold off on the January transfer and then, you know, seal a move somewhere in the summer because you're going to have the pick of the clubs. It's going to be more lucrative as well. But in the end, Bayern Munich have made the move for Dyer. And I think, again, it's just an opportunity you can't turn down. Obviously, he drags in for otherwise and moves to Spurs. But for Dyer, he'll be looking at getting uh, some more minutes under his belt after barely playing at all uh, for Spurs this season. And, as like we said with Dragson, it's still going to be hard, especially with the likes of Uber Meccano, Delix, Kim uh, being their centre back options. But he's versatile as well. I suppose he can play in defensive midfield if he wants. And he's reunited with Harry Kane at the Allianz Arena. And I think Dyer, whilst you know maybe the past couple of seasons haven't gone his way, uh, I think all Tottenham fans will wish him uh, well in the future because he's been an incredible servant at the club and he'll certainly uh, be missed by all uh, behind the scenes. Yeah, I think that was, I was really kind of pleased to see that even on social media where, you know, we know what it's like. I thought the reaction to, he put out, there was a couple of really nice kind of, well, that's three different things. There was a goodbye message to the fans, 
there was a little interview about his time at Spurs, and he also put up a really nice message to the fans himself. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, he's how do I put it? He's had he's had some stick. I think that's the, the politest way to put it. In recent years, the fans have been. Um, some fans have not been particularly patient with him at times when it, things haven't gone his way or he was carrying an injury that we weren't too aware of and things like that. But he, um, I don't think you can argue the service he's given to the club over the years. And and I do wonder that Wednesday morning when Dragosin was uh, not, uh, sorry, was uh, coming to Spurs. And I wonder whether Bayern were like, oh no. We're going to have to go back to Daniel Levy. <laughs> so, excuse me. Excuse me, Daniel. Um, that Eric Dyer chap, yeah, uh, we're going to have to take him now. Um, I do wonder what that conversation was like. You could just imagine Daniel Levy kind of rubbing his hands like, hello, <laughs> welcome back. Good to talk to you again. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great kind of ending to it all for everyone. I think it ties it up all in a really nice bow for him. Um, he has given nine and a half years to the club. It's another kind of element of that, the the Pochettino era that's now kind of gone. Is it only Sonny and Ben Davies? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't, can't think of anyone else unless there's someone really obvious that I'm forgetting. Tanganga. Uh, Skippy, um, technically. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they kind of came through the clubs. So they're not really, uh, it's a bit different, but. But in terms yeah, of the main it, team, definitely Davies yeah. and Sonny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like because of some of his mistakes in recent years, and I should say, in some of the recent years, he's really actually been far better than people kind of gave him credit for. Like that year when Nuno uh, entertained us briefly and then Antonio Conte came in, that season Eric Dyer was very consistent. That was what kind of won him back his England uh, spot. He did very well that season. But also I think there's been a little revising um, revising of the start of his Spurs career now. So, oh, he was never really that good. He was. I'm sorry. He, that first season, for a young player coming into the Premier League, did very well. Then he became kind of this defensive midfield partner with Moussa Dembele, um, which I thought he was very effective in until Wanyama came in. And then even because of Wanyama's injuries, he ended up kind of going back into that role a fair bit. He split the centre-backs, Vertonghen and Alderweireld, in this really good system that was like a, a back three kind of um, out of possession um, at times. And it was, yeah, he worked incredibly well. Had obviously the great link-up with Deli Alley. He would play these terrific cross-field passes. Um, in his little um, montage video he did, he showed like one of the passes to Delhi for Chelsea, a goal against yeah. Chelsea. He actually also had a tackle on Timo Werner, I noticed, in his montage <laughs> video, which is quite like, ooh, all the players to pick. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that he's always kind of been there when he's been called upon. Some big performances against the big teams as well, like the likes of Man City. I remember him putting in some cracking performances um, so, yeah, I, I'd, I'd hope that everyone wishes him well, and that seems to be the way now. Like we said earlier with Dragashin, how much he'll play at Bayern, we don't know. Uh, I guess his advantage is that uh, he doesn't have to... Sorry, he is also can play in that defensive midfield role, so it gives him more options, and I think that's an area maybe. Although Thomas Tuchel has seemed to indicate he'll be used as a centre-back, but you'd imagine, surely, um, that's another area that you can look at him now. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's a good one for him, and he's got obviously Harry Kane there. It's a little bit like with Dragishin. Dragishin's coming in, he knows Kudusevsky, he knows Benton Kerr from his Juventus times, uh, he'll know of Romero and a doggy and players like that, and Vicario that have played in Italy. And Ferrick Dye, he's going in there with one of his best mates in football, he's about to become a dad himself. Uh, very kind of different new time in his life. What I would say is. What do you make of the kind of... We got a bit of a late twist when we found out that it was a loan. What do you make of that? Yeah, we were all expecting it to be a permanent one. It's strange given his contract status because he's out of contract at the end of the season. And I think we'd mentioned before, surely Bayern could just go at the end of the season, right, we don't want to sign Eric. Uh, that's enough. He can become a free agent. And then... Obviously, July the 1st, as soon as he becomes a free agent, they could go, all right, we'll uh, actually sign him now. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, 
very much a surprise uh, in terms of a loan deal, but I think it's just one of these. It's a deal what's good for all parties because the player just needed a fresh start. And I think it's just a shame how his Tottenham career's ended and you don't want him to be re- remembered for that. You want to be him to be remembered for what he did for the club over these, what, 364 yeah. uh, appearances. Uh, no, I wish him well. It's a really, really nice person. Uh, no one has a bad word. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. To say about him, has been a key influence in the Tottenham dressing room. And, you know, you could see how much the club meant to him in those uh, interviews he did yesterday. Uh, the yeah. short videos, very, you know, emotional, tearful. Uh, yeah, he's just been a really, really uh, good servant for the football club. And he'll be fluent in German by next week. <laughs> you know what he's like. Yeah, he's a very clever guy. He really, really is. And and yeah, I agree with you. I thought the, the he used that little kind of answer, didn't he, to start off his own montage about that. I remember that moment when he had a real pop at people that were criticizing Spurs. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a very good kind of monologue to use. He is a very nice guy, very clever guy. Um, like you say, he will be missed by a lot of people at Spurs. It's always been one of those where I think people have kind of kind of come around him and, and protected him almost inside that club when there's been the criticism from some outside because they know kind of how much the club has meant to him and how much he's fought for the club and and yeah just what a good all-round guy he is um yeah in terms of the loan kind of aspect of it it is a strange one like you say the, from that aspect there is nothing stopping them from going no we don't want him and the next morning ha ha signed him for a free but i think all the money is going to be in that loan aspect it's going to be in the loan fee it seems to be appearance based um i guess the biggest thing for spurs really is he's a player who is going to be out of contract in six months and you've suddenly lost him off the wage bill you've lost hugo Lloris off the wage bill for those last six months even perisic as well perhaps uh, could be another one that comes off that wage bill so suddenly there's three of your kind of biggest earners at the club. You're not paying them for the next six months. And that probably opens up other things for you in the remainder of the transfer window. So, uh, yeah, no, best of luck to him. Always would be very thoughtful um, and interesting whenever we interviewed him. Just not your normal footballer, you know. He would talk about philosophy, gardening. He's like got a big farm he kind of lives on and... Um, he's like a businessman, starts up all of these different companies and apps and things like that. And yeah, I think you can safely say that um, I, I would be shocked myself if he ends up being like a manager or a coach. I think he's going to become this guy that is like incredibly mega, mega, mega rich and like has some kind of huge businesses after he kind of hangs up his boots on the game. Because yeah, very clever guy. And I hope it works for him at Bayern. I really do. I mean, playing Champions League football, he will. Could even get him back in the Euros squad, the England squad for the Euros, if he uh, does have a good end to the season. Yeah, fingers crossed that will all work out for him. So I think he certainly deserves it. Right, on the previous podcast, we spoke about the FA Cup fourth-round draw taking place on Monday evening. Now we've discovered Tottenham's opponent. Uh, Will Gary Mabbott be welcome back at the club? (laughs) It's it's Man City at home. Uh, Another Friday night game in the Cup. Uh, Friday, the 26th of January, 8pm. What a draw. Wow. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Talking to the nicest people in football, Gary Mabbott is like right <laughs> up there. But even I was shouting, Gary, no! When he pulled that ball out of the, the, the um, what was it called? Like little bucket thing they have, the bowl. Um, oh my goodness. Because... Yeah, of all the teams, that's probably the one you don't want. Look, I know there's obviously the aspect of this this hoodoo that Spurs have got against City that haven't even scored at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But I hate stuff like that because you know it's going to come to an end at some point. And what I would say is Spurs are not going to have Son as well. And Son is obviously the biggest chief tormentor of Man City in those matches. Um, 
A Friday night. I mean, come on. Two in a row? Is it surely there should be some law against that? That you can't have two Friday night games. And look, I feel for the Spurs fans, but I also feel for the Burnley and now Man City fans having to come down all the way, knowing that, let's be honest, unless you're driving, you're not getting back on that Friday night. You're going to have to stay over. It's such an expensive kind of thing to do. Um, but yeah, you know, we know they're, they're thinking of the TV and it's not really so much about the fans in these cases. Um, yeah, it's, it's, look, it's the old cliche. You've got to beat the best to win these competitions. Um, you either play Man City maybe in the final or you play them now. If you can get them out the way now, if you can manage to get through that game, you've um, got a clearer path ahead of you. There's not too many big teams left in it after that. Um, you'd hope, obviously, it's Spurs, so any other injuries could now happen. But by the time that game comes around towards the end of the month, you should have... All your, you know, your two new players kind of uh, in their rhythm. You've got Romero and Van der Ven hopefully back and, and fully kind of back in their rhythm in the central defence. James Madison probably back by then. Uh, Mana Solomon perhaps back as well, probably, I think, by then. Um, again, every time I ever say anything like this to Postacoglu, he's always like, yeah, yeah, that's best case scenario, mate. You're not thinking about the potential things that will probably go wrong and the other injuries. But in an ideal world, you can have a very strong Tottenham team barring uh, Sonny Saar and Basuma for that game. Um, so, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But I, I, I would have probably preferred someone else, to be honest, than Man City. Yeah, uh, it's 20 years on as well from the FA Cup fourth round game between Spurs and Man City in 2004. Obviously, there was a... A draw in the first leg, it went to a replay at White Hart Lane and then Man City won 4-3. Uh, 3-0 down at half-time, weren't they? And they did have 10 men. So, yeah, 20 years on from that one. I was looking at the reaction from City fans following the draw. And it's fair to say they're not best pleased either because they, their record at Spurs in recent years is absolutely wretched and... Let's be honest, you don't want to be playing Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham side uh, at the moment. So, yeah, tough draw. But as you say, if Spurs can get through, then City will be out of the cup. Arsenal, one of Chelsea and Villa, will also exit in the fourth round as they've been paired alongside each other. So, yeah, it's going to be a good one. Should be a good atmosphere as well. Friday night, I mean, the absolute state of some of these TV picks. Newcastle got to go to Fulham seven o'clock on Saturday evening. I think as well, there's Wolves will play West Brom if Wolves go through, and that's at quarter to 12 Sunday morning. But if Wolves don't go through, then Brentford have to make the trip up as well. So it's, it's not the greatest one, but yeah, that's penciled in now for Friday, January the 26th at 8 pm. So on the subject of teams from Manchester, Spurs will be heading to Manchester this weekend to take on Manchester United at Old Trafford. Uh, you just don't know what you're going to get from Eric Ten Hag's side. Because, I mean, a couple of months ago, the results or the performances were so bad, but they're still one of the form teams in the Premier League because they were somehow getting these results. I mean, they've lost five at home already this season in the Premier League. Could be six, you know, the way Spurs are playing. If they can, you know, find the groove and play with that attacking football they're known for under Andrew Postacoglu. Going to be a tough game, but uh, one that can certainly get maximum points from. Old Trafford is a really funny place yeah. for Spurs, isn't it? They've put in some great performances. I mean, you know, the six, was it 6-1? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, under Mourinho, that was obviously yeah. a highlight, but then Spurs have also gone there and, and lost games that they really shouldn't like. Uh, was it the Ronaldo hat-trick as well, wasn't it? That one where they were probably better than yeah. Man U for much of that game. So, yeah, it's it's a funny, funny place, but if you can get in there and get a good start, maybe get a goal or so or two, I think that crowd also right now will probably turn on the team yeah. a bit. You know, we've seen that this is not to say it's specific to Manchester United. We've seen that at Spurs, you know, when the crowd would kind of turn a little bit on the team, it could get a bit toxic in, in previous years. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a game that I, I'm looking forward to. It's it's always an occasion. Um, 
it's just interesting to see now that Spurs hopefully will have a team and a bench that has more options to change during the game, um, which is something that maybe we've seen an, an inability to do in previous matches because of the injury problems. Um, and yeah, I mean, what what would you what would you guess as a starting eleven right at this point? Obviously, we haven't got the press conference I'm heading off to in a minute, so we don't know the full injury news. We think. Uh, from what I understand, Ben Davies, maybe initial timescale seems to be around four to six weeks, but everything I keep hearing about him is a bit of a quick healer, so he should hopefully try to knock a week or two off of that. Giovanni Celso seems like he might miss the game as well. Uh, I think that might be a hamstring as well. Um, other than that, we're kind of, we don't know yet whether there's other little knocks and issues they had after the, um, the cup match. But uh, with that in mind, what 11 would you pick? Uh, I think the vast majority picks itself. Obviously, Vicario and Goal, Porro and Udogi as uh, the fullbacks. Van der Ven comes straight back in. Obviously, he'll have had an extra week on the training pitch to work on his yeah. fitness. Then, I suppose it's going to depend on where exactly Christian Romero is with his fitness. If there's any doubts, don't play him. Because mm. obviously, there's the chance that he could aggregate that aggravate that injury even further and you don't want to do that so maybe drag us in uh midfield i think it's going to be benzica skip kolosevsky and then a front three of timo Werner, richarlison brennan johnson hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to think there. I think you def- I think Timo Werner has to come in for his debut. Yeah. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Um... I think he's fine with his work permit. I don't think that'll be an issue because obviously he's signed early in the week. Um, yeah, I think I'd probably go with the same. I think if there's if Romero is fit enough, tells Postacoglu he's fit enough, and there's a feeling he is, I think he's just goes straight back in there. Um, I think he does. Also, maybe for the cap, the um, the leadership aspect of it as well. Um, I know Benton Koo was captain, but I think to have one of your vice captains back on the pitch, I think is a big thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, that is a rapid down the flanks, isn't it? When you look at that, Werner and the doggy down one side, Johnson and Porro down the other. Wow, that's some speed going at United. That's going to give them a lot of issues and problems to, to kind of be worried about in their kind of uh, defending and should also pin back some of their attacking players to have to deal with that too. Um, I think a big day for Richarlison. Richarlison was not great in the previous match. I think he now kind of needs to rediscover that little nice burst of form that he'd had. Um, and like we say, with with Werner and Johnson kind of flying down the wings and pulling those balls across the six-yard box, that's that's on him to get into those areas. Um, I like Kulusevsky on the left of the midfield three. I'm happy enough with that. I'm trying to think it probably is going to be Skip, isn't it? It'll be between Skip and Hoybier, really. Um, and much depends on, I guess, where he feels Hoybier's head at, where his future's at, and whether he, um, you know, I just don't sometimes get the feeling he entirely trusts Hoybier to start and to provide the the pace of the passing and and the kind of the forward nature uh, that he wants to the team rather than dwelling at times on the ball. And, and like we said before, sometimes him coming back... Um, doesn't present the best options to the the defenders in terms of switching that ball out quickly to the fullbacks. But Benton Kerr be much sharper. I didn't think he was amazing in the last couple of games. I think he's looked a bit rusty, but I do think he should now be at a decent level after another nine days or so. They've all had that little bit of a rest. They got the weekend off after the cup match. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably go for your eleven, but I do think Dragerson will be knocking on that door purely because he'll be so match fit and ready and sharp to play it. Um, I just have this horrible fear that, you know, he's suddenly going into a high line, having a sprint back. It's like, can they please put like bubble wrap around his hamstrings <laughs> just to make sure that he doesn't add his name to that list? Um, but yeah, yeah, it should be a really good game. Yeah, obviously chance for Spurs to take advantage as well in the top four this round of 
Premier League fixtures split over two weekends. I think it's Arsenal and Liverpool play the following weekend. Man City are at Newcastle, so potentially they could drop points. Villa are away at Everton. They might drop points as well. So, yeah, big, big opportunity uh, for Spurs. And hopefully when we're back on the podcast next week, we will be talking about uh, another three points to Ange Postacoglu and Spurs. Right, I think we'll call that a day on today's podcast. If you've got to get off to Hotspur Way for Ange's press conference, yeah. as ever, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. You can receive an extra four months for free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box.